Some say that alongside this see-it-to-believe-it world is the shadowy realm of the supernatural. Sometimes the residents of that dimension touch us, and in one moment, our lives are changed forever. America's Lady of Supernatural Thrillers, Mary Ann Pohl, is your real ghost chatter host. On this podcast, you'll hear stories by real people who have seen real ghosts. Gordon tells us about an unwelcome encounter with his dead father-in-law, and Lori tells us about a dead logger who looked for his wife and daughter for years after his death until she helped him find peace. Then there's Victoria, who shares her story of a long-dead pig, Edna June, who still watches over her ranch. Did you know a cafe in Anchorage, Alaska is haunted by the ghost of a woman who was blown to bits by a hired hitman? Once in a while, Mary Ann will podcast a tale taken from the genre she loves best, the supernatural. These are just a few of the stories you will hear, and these stories just keep coming. Welcome to today's Real Ghost Chatter episode. Welcome to Real Ghost Chatter. I'm Marianne Paul, America's Lady of Supernatural Thrillers, a charter member of Author Masterminds, and your host of Real Ghost Chatter. Today, our guest is Amelia Cotter. Amelia Cotter is an author, poet, and storyteller with a special interest in the supernatural, history, and folklore. Her books include This House, The True Story of a Girl and a Ghost, Maryland Ghosts, Paranormal Encounters in the Free State, and the children's book, Breakfast with Bigfoot. Amelia is also an award-winning poet whose work explores the themes of alienation, isolation, and anxiety, often incorporating supernatural elements. Her poetry and short fiction have appeared in journals like Baron Magazine, Frog Pond, Modern Haiku, The Heron's Nest, Tiny Words, and many others. Amelia has appeared on various radio and television programs, including Travel Channel's Hometown Horror, and in the documentaries, Scary Stories and Tinker's Shadow, The Hidden History of Tinker Swiss Cottage. She also appeared as a regular cast member on the show, The R.I.P. Files. Amelia lives and writes in Chicago, but is originally from Maryland, where she earned a degree in German and history from Hood College. She regularly presents at conferences and events and is a member of the Society of Midland Authors. Visit her official website at www.ameliacotter.com or write to her anytime at ameliamcotter at gmail.com. So Amelia, first let's welcome you to the show. I'm really excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I understand you've had more than one ghostly encounter. Is that right? I have. I've had uh, quite quite a few ghostly encounters. So I don't know which ones you plan on sharing with us today, but I'll start with a question. What happened in your very first experience? That's the question I'll ask. Sure. So that is far and away the most exciting and interesting uh, ghostly encounter that I've had because it was also 
the, the only time that I've ever actually witnessed a full body apparition, at least to, you know, to the degree where I'm, I'm fairly certain that I did. So uh, when I was a kid, I grew up in Maryland, I explored this abandoned house in Baltimore County, close to where I uh, grew up. And it was across, literally across a parking lot from this restaurant that my dad was working at. And so I was this little junior nerdy ghost hunter who loved going to the library and checking out all the books on the occult and everything like that. And uh, my parents um, knew that I was interested in this abandoned house, which was called affectionately in, in the, it was called Walter's House by people who worked at the restaurant and other people sort of in the neighboring areas. It had like a reputation for being haunted as did the restaurant and the rest of the, the property. And they were all connected to each other because they had all been buildings located on My Lady's Manor, which had been owned by Lord Baltimore. So we're talking about like mid 1700s. Some of the architecture was, was that old. In any case, I was just fascinated by this house. I fell in love with it and my parents let me explore it. They let me go in. I really, sometimes I even went in by myself, which I think I was braver then uh, in some in some ways than I am now. Um, <laughs> it was, there were parts of the house that, you know, didn't have floors and everything. And I just, you know, I just jumped and went around and somehow they, somehow they approved of this, uh, but I'm glad they did. And I sort of, I became fascinated, you know, with who the, who was this ghost? They called it Walter's house, but it was supposed to be haunted by a ghost that everybody referred to as Walter, but it could have been more than one ghost. It could have been a man and a woman or more. And I really wanted to see this ghost and I made a big fuss about it. Every time I was there, I would kind of wish and wish and wish. And sometimes I would say it out loud. Uh, I know that's not always a great idea to sort of invite activity to you, especially if you're a kiddo, but I didn't know any better. And one day as I was leaving with my mom, and a friend from school who had come with me because I had done like a presentation on ghost hunting at school, which was, you know, the epitome of my, my nerdiness at the time. I was in like sixth grade. He thought that this was the coolest thing ever and he wanted to come see the house. So we took a field trip out there. And as we were leaving, I looked back up into one of the attic windows and I saw a young man or boy leaning out with his hands on the windowsill with his face turned toward us watching us. Uh, but his body was completely white, like solid, but white, but it had, it also had shading. So there was like texture to his clothing and he was wearing like a shirt that, you know, gathered at, um, you know, had gathered sleeves at the cuffs and he looked like he was wearing suspenders and I could see his hair, but he didn't have a face. His face was blank, mm -hmm. which sounds more terrifying than it actually was. It just, mm -hmm. it, it was just not there, but I could sense that his, so I got this like swirling feeling in the pit of my stomach, like this static electricity, like a gut punch. And I had this sensation that he was curious about us and that he was surprised that we could actually see him. Mm -hmm. And I, so I saw him, my friend saw him, my mom actually wasn't looking. <laughs> and we both, you know, we both turned to each other and I asked him what he saw. He told me exactly what, what I, you know, had also seen. And uh, we were pulling away and my mom said, should we go back? Should we go back? Should we go back and look and see if he's still there? And I remember thinking, no, I don't want to go back and have him not be in the window anymore. 
because I don't want to be disappointed because this was like the coolest thing I had ever seen. Aww. Yeah. And one thing that added to the uh, certainty that he was a ghost was that I had been up to the attic, which previously that door had been locked for several months while when I would go explore. I would go there on and off, like every time we would go there to pick up or drop my dad off at work. And I had finally gotten into the attic and there was a floor built right level with the windows. And part of it was caved in on one side. So there could have been a floor there previously, but right where the windows are, it was impossible to stand up and lean out. You'd have to lie down on your stomach and look out the window if you wanted mm. to actually do that. Mm -hmm. So it was really incredible. Oh, that sounds incredible. Did you go back again and meet somebody else or was that the only time you ever experienced anything in that house? That's the only time I ever experienced, uh, well, that's the only time I ever saw a spirit in that house. I have journal entries from when I was a kid. I do not specifically have a memory, but I have these journal entries that I wrote of going there with like my little junior <laughs> recording devices, whatever <laughs> they were at the time, my little analog recorders. Uh, picking up voices. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, those tapes are lost to history. Oh, uh, darn. I took, <laughs> yeah, I, I took a few objects from the house. Again, this is, I was, you know, 11, 12 years old, and I still have them today. So at home, I have this jar that I took from the house still sitting out on my shelf. And I, that's like my one, maybe my one claim to having like a haunted object. But there were other ghosts that were experienced on the property. People would see the ghost of a different looking man in the restaurant as well as a young woman. She had come into a room in the morning while a cleaning person was vacuuming and she was wearing like an old, you know, everybody says it's, oh, I don't know, a costume, Victorian dress looking type thing. And she walked up to the cleaning person and asked him, you know, do you know where Walter is? Have you seen Walter? Wow. And then proceeded to walk into a wall and disappear. And that's where the name Walter came from, that they started to ascribe to these different ghosts. Well, that's astounding. I have never, never heard or had somebody interviewed know about somebody talking out loud to a human. That's that was a, a, yeah. I mean, that was the story my dad told me. That was the story that was commonly passed around the restaurant. Apparently the guy quit right after that <laughs> and like never, you know, refused to come back again. I can yeah, understand that. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, I could too. Uh, yeah. So whether that really happened, whether it was just a story, I have, I mean, I believe that it really happened because there was a lot of strange activity there. And even though my dad uh, didn't even claim to believe in ghosts, he would come home from work with stories of like, you know, having to go down into the wine cellar and things like that and feeling one time he felt like a hand on his shoulder and he turned around and thought for sure it was, you know, a busboy or his manager or something like that and there was nobody there. Wow. Do you know that always brings to mind this question to me? Why, why do a lot of hauntings, a lot of hauntings happen in a basement or an attic, right? Right. Yeah, I, I always true. wonder, why Why do they do that? <laughs> I would love to go and ask, why do you do that? Why do you live up here? Because yeah. I, I know they go all over a house, but more frequently than not, you know, people are, talk about the fear of going down into the basement or the fear of going up into the attic. And what's interesting is that I felt like 
the attic was like his personal space. Like this is where the ghost hung out, mm -hmm. even though, right. It, and it, you know, it was abandoned. So he didn't need to ha hang out there. He could have any place that he wanted, but there is something, I guess that feels private about it mm -hmm. and feels like, uh, if your house is still occupied, but you happen to have like a super duper haunted attic that maybe it's like their room. <laughs> so <laughs> I can I see know. that. I can see that. I don't, I don't enjoy basements. I do think attics are kind right? of fun. I really I, hope I, I do not hope to haunt a basement one day. Let me Oh, I, I don't plan on haunting anything here. I plan on just being gone. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, don't want to do that. Mm -mm. I've, I've had enough. I've had enough experience with it. I'm thinking, nah, I don't want to do that. What's well, funny, right? <laughs> we never think about what it's like to be a ghost, really. And uh, we think about how we communicate with them, but we don't really think about how it feels to be a spirit. And I, it doesn't seem like a whole great bit of fun. So no. I also don't don't wish to experience that and I don't wish it on others either. I don't either I don't ever I always my own theories of course are usually the people usually the entities that are run into have either done had something horrible happen they thought it was too soon you know you hear it or they're an evil entity pretending not to be an evil entity or they're um you know somebody who's committed suicide or something horrible been, you know this is a lot of the ones I've heard about I don't understand little children hanging around I really don't but I do know that a lot of those little children are sometimes being shown to be an evil entity pretending to be a child yeah I think I don't want to go out in any way other than just you know be ready to go that's yeah. what I'm yeah I think that's really a lot of it now we won't know until we go that's right I sure don't have any anger or issues or fears of these anymore. You know, it's just these things happen. Yeah. And I just believe that someday we'll all understand. <laughs> right. Everybody will all know someday. Right. And some people just don't want to go somewhere, I guess. They just want to stay wherever they were happiest, you know. Yeah. And that that's uh, that gives me a happy feeling if they if they stay because that's the place that they loved and they were connected to. I feel like that's that's better than some other circumstances. I agree. I completely agree. So what other experiences do you want to share? If you got a, one that comes to mind after, I want to ask, well, before I do that, let me ask, is this house ever been bought or is it, this was house was 1700s was built? Yeah. So this, this house was badly, badly uh, dilapidated oh. and it was also torn down re shortly after I took the objects from the house, actually. I explored there, I think, for almost a year. And then there was a bizarre uh, drunk driving accident that happened where a car blew through the guardrail and landed kind of in the yard next to the house. And I don't know why, but everybody was saying that that kind of drew attention to the house, maybe by the county or something like that, because it really wasn't long after that accident that the house was torn down. And now if you go there, the restaurant is called the Manor Tavern and it's in Moncton, Maryland. And if you go there, you can still, you can walk out to that parking lot area and see the lot that the house used to stand on. And now there's a there's a veterinary hospital there for horses, because this is like out in horse country in Baltimore, like rich people with their awesome, really cool mm -hmm. horses. And so there's like an equine uh, veterinary hospital there, which I suppose is a cool use of the, of the land, but there's still some uh, abandoned properties around there. And one of the houses, I went back there in March, one of the houses that was occupied when I was a kid is now 
abandoned. And that was a strange sight for me to see. But uh, but no, so it was it was too late for that place. But I did manage to immortalize it, I guess, in my first book, which is actually called This House, The True Story of a Girl and a Ghost, kind of told the story uh, in a narrative way uh, with including my journal entries in that in that book to commemorate my experience. Oh, how fun. So, and you talked about the ghost that was there. Did you ever find out about the ghost, who it was? No. So um, that's a question I get a lot too. But when I was a kid, it didn't occur to me to do a whole ton of research or go to a historical society or, or do any more digging other than learning about what the land had been used for. And even as an adult, I have never really wanted to know. I, I like a good mystery. <laughs> I like I like magic. I like I like the secretive nature of of hauntings and the supernatural and we focus a lot in movies and tv shows too on having a story sort of tie up neatly with a bow right kind of like the fact that this was something that was was strange and and unknown uh and that's a big part of the story for me but that i connected with whoever that was in that moment and it stayed with me my whole life well i bet it did so tell me about the one Maryland Ghosts, the Paranormal Encounters in the Free State. Was that a book that you wrote when you had experiences or did you interview other people? So that book, I wrote that book, in, I interviewed other people for that book and I did all the interviews from Chicago, which was crazy. Uh, I did interviews on Facebook and phone and people sent me letters. My uncle sent me like handwritten letters with his lifetime of ghost stories that happened like from the time he was a kid growing up in Maryland. And I covered some ghost lore and some history in different haunted locations, but I was mostly interested in hearing other people's personal experiences. Uh, it was just, it was a really neat experience. And while, while I was writing that book, I had some strange phenomena occur in my apartment. So I had all of my uncle's letters in a stack on top of my writing desk, like sitting under some other books. And I had come home from work one day and they were scattered all over the apartment like somebody took like somebody took the stack and just flung it through the air and they were just they just kind of landed wherever and that was very creepy but the books had not been moved and i lived alone so, <laughs> and your and doors were locked and your windows were my locked. doors my doors were locked and i i would hope if somebody was going to take the time to break in they would do something more than than just ruffle up although actually that would be a great way to break in and just creep people out but um <laughs> I do so, just move one thing so they're like oh no my house is haunted but, and that apartment didn't feel particularly haunted or anything it's like i remember getting chills while i was typing up these stories because i thought i would get some cool stuff but i got some just really creepy good tales of, of everything from like ghosts to UFO encounters and uh, all, you know, everything in between. Ooh, whoa. sounds interesting. Thank you. It does. So what's another experience you want to share with us this afternoon? I was also thinking about this weird thing that happened to me uh, on Halloween in two, around 2013 when I was a tour guide for Chicago Hauntings Ghost Tours. So now we're you know, we're getting deep into September now, and this is like busy season for anybody in the paranormal world. September, October, November, and tour season when I was a ghost tour guide 
was bananas. <laughs> and <laughs> so I worked with Ursula, Ursula Bielski's Chicago Hauntings Ghost Tours, which was a really neat experience. And one of the most haunted places that we visited on our bus tours was the Jane Addams Hull House. Mm-hmm. I remember the other tour guides telling me to be careful about not going into the courtyard because there were, you know, ent- strange entities in the courtyard and the courtyard was like a portal and it was a burial ground and all these things. And, you know, something could come home with you. And I really thought that they were just kind of hazing me. <laughs> yeah, that's what I <laughs> wondered. Yeah. Right. And I was like, oh, okay, I won't, I won't go in the courtyard. Okay. okay I won't. <laughs> and then I had heard an experience. At like an experience from Ursula herself about how she had had a you know a strange experience in that little courtyard is very tiny it's a super tiny courtyard hmm. and it's right on it's on the you know campus of the University of Illinois at Chicago so it's not even a particularly creepy looking place other than the, the house the hall house itself that uh, something had indeed followed her home later and so this particular Halloween I had given like a million tours back to back I was exhausted I got home late my my roommate was away at that time and I was watching her dog and my dog mm-hmm. so I got everybody you know all situated in my little bedroom and I shut the door there were there were times when I would come home from the tours after talking about all this like you know just death and destruction and mayhem and it would kind of weigh on you after a while it was fun and kitschy it wasn't really kitschy we did it more like professional than like you know carrying lanterns or anything cheesy but there was a kitschy sense to it like you're entertaining a crowd and you're joking around but it's really difficult material and I would just have nightmares about like it would be like nightmares of like newspaper clippings and stuff like that from like these tragedies that I would see and black and white photos and just bizarre things I woke up a few hours after I fell asleep so it was dead in the middle of the night and I heard shuffling outside the door like shuffling like little feet like if somebody's wearing like bedroom slippers and I thought maybe it was Hannah, uh, my roommate's dog, because she was a big dog and she was older and she would make that sound kind of when she would walk up and down the hallway. But then I realized that my door was shut and she was lying on the floor next to my bed. <laughs> Not good. Like, oh, here we go, right? <laughs> so I was like, oh, I'm just really tired. And then of course I had to get up and go to the bathroom. So I was like, this is perfect. This is perfect timing. And I was really- Of course you did, yeah. I turned my light on. The bathroom was located. So on my side of the apartment, the bathroom was located directly across from my bedroom. And then to my right would be the kitchen. And so prefacing this with, I know I said that the only time I ever saw a full body apparition was when I saw this ghost that I call Walter and that everybody else called Walter, presumably if that was him. But I saw, so I saw something, but it was so fast, so bizarre that I don't qualify it as that, you know, I'll, I'll just tell. So I went, it took me two seconds to make the leap from like my bedroom door into the bathroom. And as I walked, you know, across the hallway, I turned and I just glanced to my right and there on the kitchen floor, I saw what looked like a woman in pajamas crouching on the floor, like in a, like a crab pose, like looking up at me. Oh my. But it was so split second that I, and I was so tired. I went into the, you know, I went into the bathroom and I shut the door and I turned the light on and I was doing the whole like splashing water on my face thing. And I was like, get it together. (laughs) You're a grown, you're a grown woman. But I was like, okay, I'm going to go into the kitchen 
and I'm going to turn on the light because maybe I just saw like a stack of boxes or an old coat hanging over a chair. Who knows? Right. Whatever. Right. So I, I did my business. I went into the kitchen. I turned on the light and there was nothing. It was dead center in the floor too. So I had tried to talk myself into thinking that there could have been something there, but there, there wasn't. And I could see her very clearly in my mind, but it wasn't like she was a spirit. It was like, it was like a projection of an image of something frightening, creepy. Well, yeah, you know, it, it wasn't like a ghost. So I went back into my room and I shut the door as calmly as possible. I kept the light on for a little while and then when I finally felt like I was going to go to sleep, I, you know, I shut the light off again and I like, I passed out. And when I woke up the next morning, I was still uneasy. Like I could still feel this feeling that something was there. Something had been shuffling up and down the hallway. I got that same palpable sort of like uh, tingling static sensation when I saw this thing. But I, I took it to be just a sign that, you know, it's hard to describe that the things that we're dealing with on these tours are very real. They're not to be trifled with, even when people are, you know, joking around with Yeah, I completely agree, things. right. And that it's important to respect them, which I did. And I never, I, I had gone into the courtyard that night. I had just walked in there with somebody because they wanted me to take their picture. And I was like, no. Um, <laughs> and so I had been in the courtyard and I thought, oh, this is so cheesy. But, you know, then that thing came home with me. And sure enough, I, you know, I saw this, this flash, this image of whatever it was, but it, it just felt like a warning of like, you know, we're here, we're real. Don't forget about us. And I always wondered, you know, doing the tours, if whoever is there, whatever these lingering spirits or entities are, if they're happy to have the company, you know, because people are going there every night to remember and memorialize them, or if they are annoyed and wish that they could be left alone or wish that the people, you know, 80% of the time are like, you know, drunk, drunk tourists. Right. Right. So if they appreciate it or not. So that was like a pretty, pretty profound experience, but I still really don't, can't really put that neatly into a paranormal category of like, well, was it a ghost? Was it a non-living spirit, you know, entity or something, or right. you know, non-human entity or something like that? I, I will, I will probably never know. Probably not, but that was enough. Did it go away on its own? It, yeah, it was just it. So that flash out of you know, as I glanced when I went into the bathroom, it, I had that creeped out feeling, that classic feeling, and mm-hmm. then I had it the next morning. And then I went about my business for the day and it just totally dissipated and my roommate came home and it was it was as if everything back to normal. Wow, I think you're very fortunate that it went back to normal that way. Yeah, that it didn't linger. And the other people who had reported something following them home also did not ever report that it, uh, that it stayed. It was kind of like a one-time like a one night stand, if you will, of sort of like, you know, guess what? I'm a ghost. And then it was over. <laughs> so yeah, it's hard to know what to make of it. Well, that's, I don't know. You're right. I think it sounded kind of like a warning or a, just know that we're here and we're true. You know, this yeah, is not, didn't, not make believe here. Right. It's not make believe. And it didn't feel negative or, or even, well, I mean, the pose was like bizarre and threatening, but it didn't feel threatening. It just sort of felt like a gotcha moment. Like, ha, I scared you, didn't I? That's right. Because, <laughs> yeah, because this is <laughs> yeah, like, cause this is no joke, you know? And so I was like, oh, I get it. I 
100% hear you uh, out, you know, loud and clear. I'm glad you did because, well, and, and to share it, it will help because people really do sometimes when they go on ghost tours, make fun of things. And, you know, it's okay to laugh and giggle about life, but yeah. I don't think making fun of the supernatural is really the best idea. Even if, yep. yeah, because even if you don't presume it to be real, the the deaths and the tragedies that people have experienced are real. So it's just a good idea to not be super snarky. You know? I agree. It's I agree. disrespectful to whatever happened, especially if you're there in that moment on the grounds where it did happen. Mm -hmm. And I will mention like the Hull House is supposed to be haunted, but not haunted by any of the the things that people were claimed to have been followed home by from this courtyard really had nothing to do with the Hull House or the area itself. It just sort of seemed to be these random kind of like strange spirits or whatever that people were encountering. And it was contrary to the history there of the, of the Hull House. So that's, that's particularly interesting, but- it really is. Unique, I guess, compared to some of the other sites where people would, ex you know, we would go to the, site of like the Eastland disaster where like 844 people died right there, you know, a hundred feet from where we're standing. And it was a little bit more tangible to talk about some of the, you know, the incidences and the tragedy there. Mm -hmm. What, tell me about the Eastland, what is it called again? So that was the, the, when the Eastland, uh, the SS Eastland, which was a great, uh, a ship that it was known to be like a super fast ship. The Eastland was docked on the Chicago River in 1915 uh, between what are today the, the Clark and LaSalle Street bridges. This was a, a large ship um, and that day it was taking passengers over, I think it was loaded with over 2000 people. It was supposed to take them across the lake over to Indiana for, for a picnic. It was, not the the weight on the ship was not well balanced especially since there were more people on board than there should have been mm. and this was uh shortly after the titanic sank and you know right in 1912 right they retrofitted all of these ships that would take passengers on even if they weren't typically passenger ships with extra lifeboats and so the whole the whole thing was kind of a, a bit of a mess uh, nobody is exactly sure what happened, but the story is that, all, you know, as people were settling, uh, you know, above and below deck, they were taking in the, the morning, you know, it was a beautiful kind of chilly July morning. Another ship went by or a smaller boat went by and waved to everybody. And the story goes that people went to one side to, to wave at that ship. And it caused the Eastland to just kind of tip over in the water. In like 20 feet of water, this ship tipped over uh, while it was still tied to the dock and 844 people lost their lives. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Many of them were thrown into the river and the Chicago River was no place to be in 1915. It was not a clear, you know, babbling brook or anything. And uh, it was dirty, it was gross. These people were wearing wool clothes. Oh, they, wow. Most of them couldn't swim. Their clothes were heavy, like anchors. Uh -huh. um, people who were below deck were crushed by falling furniture. They drowned or, they, you know, what have you. And uh, people who, you know, were trying to swim were only crowded by other people because there were so many people on board. Uh, it was just an, a tremendous death toll. Wow. I think 22 entire families perished. Wow, that is horrible. 
It's also very interesting. I had never heard it before. And I know there's been many tragedies, but that one's huge, especially after it really did bring back the Titanic, you know? For years, you couldn't, if you would walk along like the river walk there downtown, there was like one little plaque talking about the Eastland disaster. Hmm. And now they revamped it. The, the hundred year anniversary, you know, happened recently and they revamped the river walk and there's a lot more information now available about it. And it's, you know, a little bit more in the public spotlight than it used to be, but it is very bizarre. If you, most of the time, the vast majority of the tours that I've given to hundreds and hundreds of people who are like, even native Chicagoans had never heard of it. Wow, that's amazing. Did the ship, is the ship still there or did it get scrapped? You know, interestingly, they the ship, they righted the ship and repaired, uh, you know, a hole in the hull that they had made to try and rescue people. Mm -hmm. And it sat there for a few weeks before they moved it back out to sea. And it actually served in both world wars before being scrapped for metal in 1946. That's astounding. Well, even though it's not a ghost story, that's a great story. Are there any hauntings? Been yes, around the so area. there are okay. There are so over the years, uh, people have reported seeing uh, faces and and hands and bodies floating to the the surface and then and then going back down again. Sometimes there's there's restaurants and outdoor patios and seating and things around the area, and so there's rumors that people have seen people in like these weird you know costumey Victorian clothing. It always goes back to that description, you know, uh -huh. falling their way out of the water, and then when they call the police, you know, or you know. Uh, nobody's out there and things you know things of that nature hearing people screaming and it's very it's it's not a quiet area and it's always well lit because it's right literally right there in the heart of downtown but there's a lot of boats that go through there every day people kayak there and people go by on the river walk and they see they witness these things Wow, that is really astounding. Thank you for sharing and that. there's That's... one more not not fun fact but you know a little fun fact about that is that Arpo Studios, everybody I think has heard that Oprah's studio is supposed to be haunted. At the time after the the Eastland disaster occurred, that building was the old 2nd Regiment Armory building. And because there was such a tremendous death toll, 844 people, they needed extra space. There wasn't room, you know, in, in a morgue for all these folks. So they moved a lot of the bodies over to that building to, for people to come and identify and, and, you know, claim their relatives and things like that. The Harpo Studios, Oprah's old studio, is supposed to have been haunted by uh, the victims and the family members of the Eastland disaster. Wow, very cool. I am sure people, if they'd like to, can Google this and find out much more information. I'm going to. This is really, really interesting. Yeah, it's it's a fascinating, you know, the, the timeline and everything that they, they put together. And allegedly somebody took a, a video of it. I mean, you know, an old, obviously, badly at this point deteriorated film that has been lost but there are records that it was shown at, at local theaters oh my um, gosh that, really you know, that people were people had seen that there was like a, a, a you know a film of the the recovery i guess and uh so people are still kind of on the search for this this lost like role well yeah and i can imagine they did show it because you know 
back in the day in the movie theaters, they showed newsreels, you know, too. Yeah. So for all you know, they made this into a newsreel for people yeah. to watch. And people were nutty buddies. Like we have to remember that like, we think <laughs> that we're, ter- we think we're terrible because we like horror movies and, and video games and stuff. But spectators loved, tr- they loved to stand by at disasters. They loved to tread all over crime scenes. They would go watch, you know, public executions and things Truth. like that. So That's humans have true. not, we have not changed. I have really appreciated this talk today with you. You are <laughs> really interesting. And I, re- I just want to say thank you for coming on this show. And thank you for having close, me on. Before we close, would you have anything else you'd like to share? Sure. So I can, you know, shamelessly plug that I <laughs> I had a book come out this week. So the third edition and hopefully final edition of, of Breakfast with Bigfoot, which is my children's book, was released this week by Haunted Road Media. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's available on Amazon and at barnesandnoble.com. And I would love to, you know, hear from people also if they if they order that or any of my books or if they just want to be in touch with me, I'm easy to find online and I'm on Facebook and Twitter and all that good stuff. Yes, and I'm going to want you to add one more time, give us your official website and your email address so people, maybe people would like a signed copy of one of your books. Absolutely. And the best place to get that, what I would say is from your website. Yeah, so ameliacotter.com and my email address is amelia m as in mary cotter dot at gmail.com and i will soon i will actually have an online store with books signed books and things like that available but for now if you want one just just find email me find me on facebook or something and uh we'll we'll negotiate great no i enjoy getting signed copies so um, and I enjoy signing copies for people too. Yeah, for I sure. I bet you do too. Oh, so. I do. Well, thank you again. If you enjoyed this podcast, I encourage you to share it with others you think would also be interested. If you'd like to know more about me, go to maryannpoll.com and or authormasterminds.com forward slash m-a-r-y dash a-n-n dash p-o-l-l until next time may the wind always be at your back the sun on your face and the good lord walk beside you